Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog I'm Patrick Benebi, host of Tim, and today we're going to talk about the collapse that's taking place in Venezuela and go a little bit deeper behind the reasoning of that taking place. Before we get into my 10 points I have here, I first want to lay the groundwork for us to see some of the numbers. So we just see facts, data, what's really taking place, right? So first thing I want to pay attention to is oil reserve leaders around the world. What countries? This number that says 266,455, this is in millions barrels. So if I put millions, I would need to add six more zeros. So go figure. This is, they're the leading country in the world with the most barrels, right? So when you look at the leading countries in the world with the most barrels in reserves, you look at U.S. at the bottom at 39,230, right? Times million, which means 39 billion, right? You look at Libya, 48. You look at Russia, 80. You look at United Arab Emirates, 97.8. Kuwait, 101. Iraq, 142. Iran, 158. Canada, no one talks about 169. Saudi Arabia, which is what everybody talks about. They're the biggest. When you think about oil, you think about Saudi Arabia. Sheikh, you think about Prince. These are the guys that have all the oil, right? Right? It is the Middle East, right? Nope. Number one in the world is Venezuela. You ready? 300,878 times a million barrels. They are number one. U.S. is number 10. So why is it such a big mess? How is it that a country with that much oil is going through a mess today? What took place? There's two numbers we have to look at. One is oil prices. The other one we have to look at is inflation. Let's first look at oil prices. This is not just Venezuela oil prices. This is oil prices per barrel, right? But why oil prices? What does oil cost per barrel? And historically, what has it done? And is there a trend or something that we ought to pay attention to between Chavez and Maduro? Because when Chavez was president, people were happy. The economy was apparently doing good. Some people said, wait a minute, we were getting a lot of free programs. I mean, why is it that under Maduro it's not working? It must be all of Maduro's fault, right? Let's look at this here. Look, oil prices today, a barrel in 2019, give or take, as of yesterday's pricing, it's $52.87 today, a barrel, 2019. 2018 was $64.90, 2017 was $50.84, 2016 $43.58, 2015 $48.72, 2014 $93.17. Why is 2014 so critical? From $93.17 to $48.72, here's why it's critical. Maduro got elected in 2014. Chavez died in 2013. So, when Maduro first got elected, Venezuela was still kind of okay. They had some problems, but they were kind of okay. Why were they kind of okay? Because oil prices were still high. The moment oil prices dropped more than 50%, they could no longer fund all the public programs. Because 50% of Venezuela's GDP is what pays for all the free public programs that Chavez came up with years ago. And why could Chavez do it? Let's keep going. Now watch this. 2013, oil prices, 97 98 9405, 94, 79, 61, 99, 72, 66, 56, 41. Stay with me here. 31, 26, 25, 30, 19. When Chavez got elected, oil prices, 1935 per barrel. During his reign, it went from 1935 to $97. And they are the number one leaders in the world in oil reserve. 
So he could give all these free programs away while oil prices were going up, which means what? Venezuela's economy is controlled by oil prices per barrel. They go up, it could work. It goes down, catastrophe all over Venezuela. So what happened when oil prices kept going up? More free program, housing, this, let me give the land away, let me take the land from the rich, let's give it to the poor, let's take this away, let's give that away, let's give everything away. Up, you know, taxes, maybe 71%, let's give everything away to everybody. No incentives. But when the oil prices went down, whole different story. So now what does this mean with inflation? Let's look at inflation, watch this. From 2012 till today, what does inflation look like? Look at 2012. The world inflation in 2012 was 4.07%. World inflation, 4.07%. Venezuela, 21%. 2013, world 3.66. Venezuela, 40. 2014, 3.22. Venezuela, 62.1. Look what happened in 2014. It's still 93, right? But watch what happens 2015. World inflation, 2.75. Venezuela, 127, 21%. 2016, 2.75 world inflation. Venezuela, 254. 2017, 3.2% world inflation. Venezuela, 2016. 2018, world is 3.78. Venezuela, over 2.6 million. The IMF predicts this year, Venezuela's inflation will crack 10 million. There is inflation, then there is hyperinflation. What Venezuela is going through is hyperinflation. Let me explain to you what hyperinflation is based on what an economist said. If the economy increases inflation 50% a month consecutively, eventually it becomes hyperinflation. 50% a month. This is what it means. That means what costs a dollar today on January 1st, 12 months later on December 31st, whatever costs a dollar, now costs $130. That's hyperinflation, except Venezuela has hyperinflation on steroids. Let me give you some comparisons with other countries' inflation. Venezuela has the worst inflation in the world, right? Number two is South Sudan at 117%. Crisis, but not at uh, Venezuela's place. I was in Argentina a couple months ago. They have crisis, but their inflation is 47.6%. Turkey is 24.52%. Uruguay is 6.1%. Mexico is 5.9%. Russia is 4.2%. India is 3.8%. U.S. is 2.1%. Armenia is 1.9%. And Israel is 0.2%. 2%. I just used some of the countries. This is not ranking. I, I, the top three is Venezuela, South Sudan, Argentina. The rest of them are some notable countries. I want you to be paying attention on what's going on there, right? So here are 10 things I think we can learn from what's taking place in Venezuela. It is an absolute crisis what's taking place over there. But uh, we all have to pay attention to this because sometimes these things can come back and affect you. Number one, number one thing, if your country solely relies on a natural resource and that natural resource is pricing, you don't control. Other factors around the world can dictate what the price of your oil is going to be per barrel. One thing happens, you're wiped out. When it goes from $93.17 to $48 the next year, and 50% of all the social programs, because Venezuela is a socialistic nation, 50% of the social programs are funded by oil, what do you do when that takes place? Then you have to go in debt. This is why they went and borrowed money, $110 billion they owe, because they have to keep borrowing money to be able to fund all these social programs, right? There are some countries around the world that solely rely on their natural resource. you got to find other things to rely on except uh, outside of just that. Number two, when uh, there's no food, when there's no medicine, the nicest person in the world can commit crime if that person has a kid. Let me say this again. Economy's doing bad. 
You are not letting food in. You are not letting medicine come in. You are burning trucks that are coming through the border to bring food and medicine. And all the money in the world can't buy a medicine that doesn't exist. It doesn't matter what's taking place. Any parent will do anything to put food in the belly of their kids. Anyone is capable of crime when the economy goes. It's very important to keep the economy going because if you don't, it affects everybody. Crime goes to the roof. Number three, look, you go to dinner, your uh, dad pays the bill. Fine. You go to dinner, you pay the bill for your dad. Fine. You go to dinner, somebody pays your bill because that person's a millionaire. One time, fine. Two times, fine. You don't work for them. This is a friend. Imagine the guy you party with, okay? And you party with this guy. Every time you go out with this guy that's partying, I got the bill on the house, bar on me, order your drinks, club on me, bottle services, table, all on me. I got it, guys. Oh my gosh, he's so cool. He's so cool. He's so cool. There's two problems going on there. One, the problem is that guy who now has 50 people with his entourage that go to clubs, the day money goes, those 50 people disappear like this. He's buying friends. You're funding friends, right? You know what's the worst thing that's worse than this? The people that are partying with him who are being paid all their bill, you know what muscle's getting weaker? The muscle of making their own money. If you can't pay your own bill and you solely rely on somebody else to pay your own bill, eventually the ability to pay your own bill goes away. Your muscles become so weak that all of a sudden when it's pulled, it's a crisis. That's what was taking place in uh, Venezuela. Bills being paid, bills being paid, bills being paid. All of a sudden, wipe it out. Wait a minute, what happened here? I was relying on all this stuff. You were paying me for this stuff. You were giving me shelter. You were giving me this. What just took place? And they don't know how to make the money. So what happens to a country like Venezuela, just like it happened to other countries, like I'm from Iran, the job creators, those that know how to make money, who work very hard, they leave to other places, Colombia, Bogota, U.S., all over the place, because they know they're going to go find a place to make money because they know how to work hard. They'll go to other places, and the economy takes a big hit. Never, ever rely on somebody to pay your bills for the rest of your life. Number four, one of the most manipulative words you have to be very careful with. Elections about to come out. Everybody's using this word. Free college education. My name is Bernie. Free college. Free college. Free. Free college. How can we be the richest country in the world? And we don't offer free college. How can we be the richest country in the world? Richest country in the world. Free, 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 free. Boom. Just because America is rich doesn't mean we have to give free programs away to everybody. Just because Venezuela is number one in oil reserves doesn't mean they have to give it away to everybody. Everybody. Be very careful with the word free, especially when politicians say it. Every time you hear the word free, replace it with the real F word. You know which one I'm talking about, the F-U-C-K. Every time you hear the word free, just think about their saying the other word. Every time, every time you hear it. And this program's gonna be free, boom, F-bomb. And this program's gonna be free, F-bomb. Free, F-bomb, F-bomb, F-bomb. If you replace it, politics would actually make more sense to you if you replace the word free with the F-bomb. Number five. Never give too much control to the government. Listen, even if the most noble, spiritual, whatever church-going person takes over and you say, what a nice man, and he decides to change everything. He changes the Constitution, is what Chavez did. He creates his own house, which is what Chavez did. He takes control of the military, the executive branch, judicial, legislative, everything he takes control. But what a nice guy. I like him because he's giving me free programs. Never fall for it. Never give the government too much control. He eliminated term limits. We need term limits. Why? Because 
Certain years is enough. Like, listen, we got to replace to get somebody else to balance it out. No matter what side it is. Listen, Obama gave birth to Trump, but Bush gave birth to Obama. You know, Clinton gave birth to Bush. This, this goes back and forth because we need to balance each other. It's almost like an eagle's flying every four to eight years. He needs to kind of go like this a little bit to balance it out. We need that. Some of these countries, no term limits, unlimited. No, no, don't give too much trust to the government. Don't ever do that because then you lose your ability to choose. You lose your ability to vote. Be very close attention. I'm, there's a lot of people that follow back. Timmy, you're not living in America. Just remember this, no matter how noble the leader looks like at the top, still don't give 100% trust to the government. Very important for you to remember that. Number six, many American politicians praised Venezuela in the 2000s. Oh my gosh, look at Venezuela. Americans are so afraid of socialism. Look how great it's working in Venezuela. Look how great it's working in Venezuela. Like, you know, Bernie was one of them. Look how great it's working in Venezuela. Bernie's a great example. Seems like a noble guy. Seems like he wants to do the right thing. He seems like a good guy, but his philosophies don't work. When he kept saying socialism works in Venezuela, he's not telling you the whole story. It worked because oil prices went from 19 to 94. I mean, that's like free money to a country, especially if you're a leader in oil reserves. But you're not hearing the whole story, and all you hear is the average voter looks at it and says, wow, I guess he's right. It is working in Venezuela. Why not do it in America? Rich people have too much money. We should take the money and redistribute and give it to everybody else. And that sounds noble. And you're going to hear it again. Look what happened. AOC, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. Amazon shouldn't come to New York. Amazon shouldn't come to New York. It is unfair what Amazon's going to be doing to New York. Amazon was bringing $150,000 a year salary to 25,000 workers in New York. That is a good thing for New York. New York was going to give Amazon $3.2 billion. And that's normal, by the way. A lot of companies get a billion-dollar payout. Nike, General. A lot of companies get big payouts because they're moving their market to a city. But New York was going to make $20 billion over the next decade, decade and a half. But they said, no, we don't want you to come. Because why? Because she said, because if they come due, due to competition, rent prices will go up. Property value is going to go up in New York. And the governor of New York is saying, what are you talking about? We have the most powerful influential company that wants to come to New York. You are protesting? And then she's celebrating. Oh, yes, Amazon didn't come to New York. New York used to be the number one uh, city in the world for the most Fortune 500 company headquarters to be there. It is not going to be there for too long because a lot of people are going to pay attention to it. So you can't put too much of that trust into the socialistic noble concept that, oh, my gosh, it sounds really good, but it doesn't work. Next, number seven, pay close attention to your taxes. I've been saying this for so many years. Listen, go study taxes. Taxes is so boring. One of the lines I've heard for years is there's two guarantees in life. You're going to die, you're going to be taxed. So if you're going to die, you got to study death. And if you're going to be taxed, you better study taxes because it's just what's going to be taking place. And when it comes down to taxes, that takes me to point number eight is the power of incentives. A country, whatever they create as an incentive, that's what people go after. Meaning, if Venezuela says, no incentive, don't worry about it. We'll give you an income. We'll give you food. We'll give you this. We'll give you housing. We'll give you all this stuff. Don't worry about it. We'll give it to you. Incentive goes away. If America says, we'll give you incentive if you create jobs. We'll give you all this other incentives and Americans do it then people get advantage of it. And you know, a lot of people say, why isn't that company paying as much taxes as this other person? Why? That is unfair. So immediately, emotionally, you're like, wow, that kind of makes sense. That, that company, they, they made this much money. How come they're not paying any taxes? Because that company created 400,000 jobs in America. Okay, let's take those taxes away. Let's take those incentives away. But let's also take those 400,000 jobs away. Are you okay with that? 400,000 jobs at a $60,000 a year salary, how much taxes are being paid? 
What is sales taxes? How many families is being fed? How many kids are going to school? How many people have a place to live? Because that company created 400,000 jobs. Pay very close attention to incentives. At a company, a company will say, if you do X, Y, Z, you get promoted. A country says, this is our tax system. We give you incentive in X, Y, Z, people create jobs. It's all about how you create incentives. If the incentives are proper, innovation goes high. If the incentives are not, innovation doesn't go high. Number nine, sometimes a crisis wakes up a nation. Look, one of the reasons why I uh, totally feel for the people of Venezuela and what they're going through this is because when you have so much power with oil, when you are number one oil reserves, everybody, you're like the, you're like the beautiful girl that every man wants to be with. Because there's like, oh my gosh, she is so sexy. Venezuela, you are so sexy because of all the oil you got. Ding, 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 right? Okay. Now watch, I'm from Iran. In Iran, there's a city called Abadan. In Iran, the city called Abadan, they found oil. They realized, oh my gosh, there's not just a little bit of oil. There's a lot of oil in Abadan. And the person in Iran at that time, they're like, I don't really know how to handle this. UK smelled opportunity, Britain. They came and they said, oh, listen, we can help you orchestrate it because we know how it is to deal with this kind of stuff. We're the experts. And Iran doesn't know how to do it at that time. They were just coming up. Like, okay, what do we do? Maybe we should give them an opportunity. So they came and they said, look, we want to team up with you. Let's start a company together. They called the company APOC, Anglo-Persian Oil Company. You know what it's called today, by the way, APOC? BP. British Petroleum was once known as APOC, Anglo-Persian Oil Company. Go verify it for your own self so you can see the history of it and what took place. So Iran's like, okay, let's do it. But then Britain said, we'll take 84%. You keep 16%. Why? Because we know how to do this. But you keep 16%, we'll keep 84%. So at first, Iran was kind of naive and like, okay, let's do it. We kind of need your help anyways, and we'll protect you. It's almost like the mafia in New York. You have a business, you give us such and such, and you keep this, but we'll protect you. We'll give you protection. Okay, we'll do it. And then Iran started getting stronger. Like, wait a minute, why are we giving this to you? We don't want to do that. Then Mossadegh, renegotiation. Then next thing you know, U.S. and U.K. teamed up together, and we have to create a coup, and we have to create a fall. And then there was a fall, and then shock came. And Shah renegotiated the deal and took control. And, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Now we lost control. It's like, this is our oil. This is our land. What do you mean? This is our country. This is not your oil. We own this oil. So I understand the fear of Venezuelans when they see EU and U.S. and Mike Pence getting involved. Because they're like, oh, what are we going to do here? But there's also to the opposite side. There's also community. I was speaking at an event a couple weeks ago, and I talked about what's taking place in Venezuela. A bunch of Venezuelans came to me afterwards. The opposite side is the following, that a lot of Venezuelans, when they can't feed their family, when they don't have medicine, they're willing to do anything at that moment to get back into survival mode. So I wouldn't 100% say no to it, and I wouldn't 100% say yes to it. Maybe create an arrangement, because I do know a lot of eyeballs are going to be on how sexy Venezuela still is, because the oil is still there. The structure needs to change. And in order for the structure to change, it's going to be a little bit ugly. It's going to be pretty bad. Uh, it's going to be at the hands of many people dying. Unfortunately, this is just kind of what happens with oil, money, power, and socialism. It's just what takes place. But uh, this ought to be something for a lot of us. And this leads me to point number 10, which is who's next? Who's next with this? Who can this happen to next? I know a lot of us are looking at it from the outside. Oh, my gosh, I feel so bad for people in Venezuela. Oh, my gosh, I feel so bad for them. Look what they're going through. Look what they're going through. Do you remember how I opened up the video? That a lot of time we look at somebody else going through a divorce, cancer, crisis, issues, business going. We look at other people. Oh, not us. Because we're amazing. It'll never happen to me. It'll never happen to my country. It can happen to any empire. 
So one thing, the moment you forget that incentives create hard work, create effort, create movement, create everybody paying the price and paying their own bills. That's what a country can be relying on for a long time because it's the right values and principles. But if you rely on something for free, something to give away, something you don't have to work for, something that's just gonna be given away to you, and all the people that are creating the jobs are becoming too rich, take that land away, take that business away. And they're kind of sitting there saying, well listen, if I don't have incentives, I wanna go to another country. Because entrepreneurs and people who are driven by incentives, no one wants to leave their homeland. I'm from Iran, believe me, no one wants to leave their homeland. But they will gladly leave their homeland if you put them in a position where they cannot give their kids their blood, the life they want to give, like this, they will disappear. Because everybody thinks family first. And if a country thinks that way, they keep talent. If they don't think that way, there's a reason why you lose nearly 5 million people that left your country to other places. Whether that number is 2 million or 5 million, Venezuela is the size of Texas. They have 31 million people leaving, living there. 2 million is high, 5 million is high, and they're leaving. And it's the hardworking people leaving not the people that are relying on the programs. It's the people that still know how to work. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care everybody, bye-bye.